Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We're going to be looking at biblical prophecy and specifically one of the great signs before the end. And I'll go ahead and give it away right here at the beginning. That great sign is the regathering of the Jews. And we're going to be focusing on this for the next couple of broadcasts. We've already looked at Romans chapter 11, and we'll go back there and review it during the course of these broadcasts. But here's what we've been doing. We looked at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where St. Paul lists certain things that have to occur before the coming of Christ. There's only one second coming. He doesn't come twice as in the so-called rapture at any moment scheme, and we dealt with that in Thessalonians, both first and second. And then we went through the various signs that would come. Of course, the big one would be the coming of the man of sin or the Antichrist. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, there's one huge sign before the end, before the coming of Christ, that is not mentioned. And that's why we went to Romans chapter 11, where it speaks about before the end, the Jews will be gathered together with the Gentiles into the family of God, which is called the church. Now, today I want to do something a little different in that I want to go to a parable And a lot of times we think of parables as kind of like some nice little rhyming story we hear read at Mass or something. But parables can be prophetic. They can be prophetic in two ways. They can be prophetic by simply the declaration of what they state or the point they're trying to get across. But here's an even more subtle way, and Jesus can certainly be subtle. Prophetic parables— can raise a question. And you know, a a skilled writer, uh, a good movie, or a good speaker, very often, rather than drawing conclusions, will point to a question so that the mind ponders something very significant. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, God miraculously provided bread from heaven. We call it manna today. In Hebrew, it was manu. And you know what manu meant? What is it? It was a prophetic question. And it's only answered when you get to John chapter 6. It was a prophetic prefiguring of the real presence of the Eucharist. What is it? You can answer that question. You're well on your way to the heart of the Catholic faith. But back to our prophetic parable, we're going to go to probably one of the most popular, famous, well-known parables in the whole Bible, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Now, I am going to suggest to you that the most accurate way, or at least the full way to interpret this parable, is not to reduce it to an individualized interpretation. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, This parable speaks to me individually quite strongly in that I was a prodigal son. How do you euphemistically say that basically I was a sinful jerk during my teenage years, 
And I can relate that God can have mercy on prodigal sons and parents need to be aware who might have a straying son or daughter that they can come back to God. And that's the wonderful individualized teaching of the parable of the prodigal son. But if you look at the parable, it's really a parable of two sons, not one, not just the prodigal. It's a parable of two sons. And if you go to Luke chapter 15, the parable starts with Jesus saying, there is a man who had two sons. Now, the parable starts with the prodigal. And this was visualized to me in seminary by a very skillful professor trying to show us on a blackboard how in the telling of this parable, someone would hear this in the ancient Near East. And he drew a series of stairs heading down. In other words, this prodigal son went from bad to worse. That's That was the part of the story. And, you know, he first wanted all his inheritance, and then he left his father's house. Not a good move. Who's the father? The heavenly father, the covenant community. And then he goes and wastes his money on riotous living. Oh, we're going down a stair. And then he hooks up with prostitutes and loose women. We're going further down. And finally, he's feeding pigs. Now, for the Jewish ancient Near Eastern mind, this is equivalent of the bottom of Dante's uh, different levels of hell. Okay, he's reached the bottom of the stairway. Then you start in the parable, there's corresponding parallel stairs going up. He first comes to himself, and you might think, what's the big deal? Well, there might be somebody listening to my voice right now who's a prodigal son or daughter, and you're thinking, you know, this really isn't working out too well you know, living my own way and living according to a sinful lifestyle, you know, coming to yourself, that's a step up. Then he begins the journey towards home, and that's another step up. That's, you know, the heart beginning to turn in repentance. And then from a distance, the father sees him. He's just looking for that change of heart, that willingness to be reattached. That's another step up. And we're paralleling the steps up with the steps going down. And then he comes to the father and says, you know, father, I'll, I'll be glad to be a servant in your household because it's sure a whole lot better than feeding the pigs. And no, the father restores him. He gives him the cloak. He gives him the ring. He restores them to sonship. These are all steps up. And then the parable ends on a surprising note. Remember, this is a father who had two sons, not one, two. And the older son, when he sees all this going on, rather than entering into the joyous reunion with going on within the covenant family symbolized here, he gets really steamed. He's jealous. And you know, he comes, asks the servant, what's going on? Your father's rejoicing, the fatted calf. There's a feast, a festival going on. And he doesn't go in. He stands outside and stews. Now, this parable on the wider fulfillment area is a picture of the heavenly father, the heavenly father of both Jew and Gentile, the prodigal son are the Gentile peoples. And they ended up feeding pigs, 
And the, the big surprise, of course, with the coming of Christ is that they came flooding into the church. And knowing they don't deserve at all to be a part of God's covenant community, having broken his commandments, having spurned his love, having separated themselves, and yet the Father restores them. And then the Jews, who you think, they never left. I mean, they were always there. And yet while this was going on, they, because of jealousy with the Gentiles coming, they remain outside. And this parable is like manna or manu. What, what, what is it? It's something so significant that in the ancient Near East, they know this parallel story, these steps down and parallel steps up. It's just a perfect fit, except the one step at the top is left open as a question. What's going to happen to the elder brother? What are what is going to happen to the Jewish people? Jesus was a Jewish Messiah. Jesus came to fulfill the promises of Abraham, and now they seem to be outside. And sure, there's uh, initially in the, in the Christian church, there was a, a certain nucleus of Jews who formed the early church, but then it qu- very quickly, until today, turns into a Gentile thing. And the question still remains, What is going to happen to the Jews? And so the parable of the prodigal son, or better, the parable of the two brothers is a prophetic parable asking that question of all questions regarding the end times, the question that even so many prophecy experts spouting off on TV and such seem to totally forget is that before the coming of Jesus, before the second coming, there are certain signs that take place, including the great sign of the elder brother being rejoined into the covenant with God. And in Romans 11, remember the outline, St. Paul used the illustration of an olive tree. There were natural branches grafted in Those were the Jews in covenant, one with God. And then those branches had been broken off and they were grafting in unnatural branches. Those were the Gentiles. But he says to the Gentiles, don't get a big head about this because if you can be grafted in, how much more will the natural branches be grafted in? Because God's plan, make no mistake, God's plan is that Jew and Gentile are united in a covenant community together. And remember this, too, that the so-called rapture-at-any-moment theory separates what's going on in the church with what will be going on with the Jews. They believe that the church will be lifted out of the earth before the second coming, which isn't true. We saw that in 1 Thessalonians 4. And then they think that in a different type of dispensation or working with God, he will work with the Jews. And that is just bizarre. The whole epistle to Romans is showing that God's plan of salvation, God's plan for the church, is for both Jew and Gentile, and as Gentiles, we have a great tendency to forget this great sign. And interesting, 
The Catechism of the Catholic Church in section 675 talks about all the signs we read about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. It talks about the Antichrist, the great trial and persecutions at the end. And if you read section 675, you'll see 2 Thessalonians 2 footnoted. But very, very significant is the paragraph before 675, namely 674, which says, the glorious Messiah's coming. And again, there's only one coming. There's no two second comings. There's one second coming. The Messiah's second coming is suspended at every moment of history until his recognition by all Israel. For a hardening has come upon Israel in part for their unbelief toward Jesus. St. Paul echoes, citing Romans 11, the full inclusion of the Jews in the Messiah's salvation in the wake of the full number of the Gentiles. And it's very interesting, very significant. Catechism of the Catholic Church, 674, cites both Romans 11, the incorporation of the Jews, and also cites Luke chapter 21 and verse 24. It says, the times of the Gentiles, Luke 21, 24, will be fulfilled when Jerusalem is no longer trodden down by the Gentiles. Well, June 1967, as a result of the Six-Day War, the Jews are now, since the time of Christ, since 70 AD, in charge of the city of Jerusalem. 674 of the Catechism, 675 of the Catechism goes right along with Romans and Luke. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.